Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, we've got an awesome, awesome interview. I've been trying to land for a while now uh, with a dude named Anomaly. Anomaly is an anomaly. He is at DreamRare on Instagram. And um, if you guys have been following uh, my wife and I, our, our family channel on Instagram, you've seen us repost quite a bit of his stuff over the last couple of years. He's a young, brilliant thinker who thinks outside the box, who has really called the bluff on quite a bit of the propaganda that we've seen on TV, on social media, and really just offered uh, you know, a, a hard, hard turn from a hard turn away from what the, the standard narrative has been. But he explains things perfectly well. I mean, he, he's a highly, highly educated guy. He's a rapper, uh, believe it or not. Not that all rappers are not educated. That's clearly not the case. But first first rapper I think I've had on the podcast. I've had a bunch of different musicians on. Porangi, East Forest, obviously way different types of music. But um, I just love this guy. I mean, he's been somebody who's been my probably my favorite follow on Instagram. And I'm not even on social media that often. My wife will send me clips via text and I'll just pop them open and watch, you know, five minute rant, 10 minute rant. It blows me away. Uh, I was super thrilled. We got to sit down and have this conversation. We talk about current events. We talk about a lot of things that are going on and Anomaly offers some stuff that, that most people might disagree with. He offers some stuff that um, may stretch and bend your mind, but I can assure you everything that he offers is something that has, he's taken a lot of time to sit through. He's taken a lot of time to build uh, his viewpoint with, and a lot of information that he takes in to digest and assimilate and then re-deliver to us in a beautiful way. I love this dude. I hope to get him back on soon. Um, this show really gets by by you guys sending it around to people. So if you like what you hear, you know, word of mouth, all you do is just select the link from whatever you're listening to and uh, send it off to your friends to listen. Leave us a five-star rating if you want and support our sponsors. Our sponsors make this show possible. We've got a brand new sponsor today. We are sponsored today by Aura, Aura.com. Um, this is probably one of the most pressing, time-sensitive sponsors we've ever had on the show. We have Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum guaranteeing, all but guaranteeing, a cyber attack within the next 18 months. Uh, how that follows, we don't know. It could be the grid going down. It could be cybersecurity hacks where all of your banking information is known, things of that nature. And there's never been a more important time to protect what you have, to protect your passwords, your emails, uh, your banking info, all of these things, protect your phone. And really, this is one of the coolest companies that I've ever worked with. These guys absolutely have taken, you know, the, 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 they've gone to the forefront here to really dive deeply into every single way that you can be hacked and figure out ways how to protect that. Every 10 seconds, someone becomes a victim of fraud or identity theft. And a lot of these people never recover their stolen identity. Let's talk about how Aura can protect you. Aura is a new type of security service that protects your online data, connection, and devices with one simple subscription. You'll get alerted to fraud and threats fast. Like if your online accounts or passwords are leaked online, or if someone tries to open a bank account in your name, Aura's apps will also protect your devices from malware and encrypt your Wi-Fi connection so you can shop, bank, and stream online privately. This is important as well. 
uh, <laughs> it's very important if you consider uh, how they live in China and, and potentially what a surveillance state looks like here. With an easy online dashboard and alerts sent straight to your phone, Aura keeps you in control and guides you through solving any issues. All plans come with $1 million in identity theft insurance to help recover your stolen funds and experience U.S.-based customer support that's got your back. So if you want to secure your online presence from hackers, scammers, and noisy advertising companies, go to HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash A-U-R-A dot com slash K-Y-L-E. And when you use my link below, you'll get 40% off all plans. This is going to be in the show notes. I know that's a long one. It's Aura.com slash Kyle. Click on the link in the show notes, 40% off all plans. This is a massive discount and it is an incredibly important service. I don't want to think about this shit. I sign up with Aura and I now I don't have to. I know I have protection across all fronts. I know my Wi-Fi is protected. I know every one of my devices is protected. The family plan is incredible. You can put your entire family in a load of devices all under their service for one very low cost and you're going to get 40% off. So check it out, Aura.com slash Kyle. Just click the link in the show notes and you'll be good to go. This podcast is also sponsored and brought to you by magbreakthrough.com slash Kingsboo. This is uh, the, the homies at Buy Optimizers, and this is one of my absolute favorite products from them. If you'd like a shortcut to better sleep, more energy, and a calmer, more stable mood, then you should make sure you're supplementing with magnesium daily. Let me tell you why. About 75% of people are magnesium deficient. This deficiency can lead to higher levels of anxiety, irritability, trouble sleeping, and low energy. It can even contribute to foot and leg cramps while you sleep. Anybody who's ever done a ketogenic or carnivore diet will will know magnesium is a major factor in that. Now, you might be wondering, does magnesium really affect all these things? Well, the answer is yes. In fact, magnesium is involved in more than 300 chemical processes inside your body. So a lot of different things can start to go wrong if you're deficient. The good news is that you can experience a number of positive health benefits just from getting enough magnesium, including better sleep, more energy, stronger bones, healthy blood pressure, less irritability, a calmer mood, reduced muscle cramping, and even fewer migraines. But to experience these health benefits, you have to get the right kinds of magnesium. Truth is, most magnesium supplements you'll find in health stores only use the two cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't fix your magnesium deficiency or do much to support your health. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, health-enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one bottle. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed, and you'll be amazed by the improvements in your mood and your energy levels, how much more rested you feel when you wake up, and your recovery. If you're banging out workouts, like this is a, this is, it's a no-brainer. It is a must-have in your medicine cabinet. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash kingsboo and use kingsboo10 during checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. That's M-A-G. B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com slash K-I-N-G-S-B-U and code Kingsboo10, K-I-N-G-S-B-U-1-0 at checkout. We'll have this linked in the show notes as well. Uh, Super important, super valuable, one of my favorite supplements in the game. This podcast is also brought to you by Lucy.co. Look, we're all adults here, and I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults 
who were looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. It's a new year. Why not start it out by switching to a new nicotine product that you can feel good about? I absolutely love this stuff. I use it in the gym. I use it everywhere. Nicotine is, if you're wondering why why is this guy promoting nicotine? It's a health podcast. Uh, Nicotine is one of the best nootropics ever created is designed by nature. You know, it is truly a plant medicine, but what we've done is bastardized this plant medicine. We've added 4,000 chemicals to cigarettes. We've done a whole host of things that make getting nicotine suck. And in addition to that, nobody wants to be the dude smoking around a bunch of people. Like it's just not cool. Vape pens are garbage. You're inhaling a bunch of pegulated, nasty oils that are going to sit in your lungs and cause you to what? Lose cardio, lose recovery. So oral nicotines are what's in, and oral nicotines potentiate the brain the same way that acetylcholine does. Nicotine fits in the same receptors as acetylcholine, and every nootropic on the planet is trying to increase acetylcholine. Now, with just nicotine, you can increase your ability to think better, to recall better, to learn faster, and it feels good. I mean, there is a dopamine response here. Uh, So, (laughs) I mean, I have to warn you, this product contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. That's because it fucking feels good. It feels really good. And if you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That's lucy.co. And use promo code KKP at checkout. Uh, remember if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, visit lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code KKP. These guys are phenomenal. It's an excellent way. You can get away with it on flights anywhere that, that nicotine consumption is not allowed. You can get away with it. So check it all out. Lucy.co. These guys are great. Last but not least, we are brought to you by sovereignty.co. That's also a CO at the end there. Um, I absolutely love these guys. I've been with them from the start. And I remember when they were formulating this, all of the ingredients that were going in, they were talking about the adaptogenic herbs, the uh, different mushroom blends that they were going to use, the different cannabinoids and terpenes that they were going to use within these formulas. And I was just blown away. I was like, holy shit, man, this is one of the most well thought out nootropics slash energy products on the planet. And it's really, it's the only one that I use for those two purposes. If I want a nootropic with energy, it's purpose plus. If I want to knock myself out when I go to bed, it's dream plus. And I absolutely love that. I started using Dream Plus kind of post-ceremony, you know, medicine journey stuff where uh, very hard to fall asleep. And Dream Plus would help me get the best night's sleep ever. Now I use it daily and I absolutely love it. Um, It is so incredible that they have this one-two punch of switch on and switch off. And really, if you're going to limit yourself to a couple of supplements that were only designed to do that, help you get after it during the day and help you switch off at night. These would be the two to use. Check it out. Sovereignty.co. Use the code word KKP. You're going to get 25% off. So to kick off the new year, they've just raised the discount by 5% only for my listeners. And we really want to promote staying healthy and making positive goals. This is how you get shit done. Purpose Plus is how you get it done. And Dream Plus is how you get your sleep done in the best way possible. And we all know that it's full circle. You can't have um, you know, the best movement practices and lose out on sleep. Like Rob Wolf mentioned, you, you, if you miss sleep, you're cock blocking your fat loss. You're cock blocking your gains. You're cock blocking your ability to improve in the gym, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It all depends on how we harness the skills of our body, our temple. Purpose Plus and Dream Plus will help you achieve that. Check it all out, Sovereignty.co, KKP at checkout, 25% off. And without further ado, my brother, Anomaly. Anomaly, welcome to the podcast, brother. 
Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been, I, it's funny as my wife's been in my ear about getting you on for probably the last two years. And, uh, I've, 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 I've really wanted to, and I'm just like, ah, it'll happen. And then, um, one of my buddies, Christian Pity, who who helps Aubrey Marcus sort podcast guests and stuff like that. He's like, dude, you need to get Dream Rare on. And I was like, get him for me, please. <laughs> and I was like, it has to happen. And uh, yeah, I think it, yeah. You, you made the connection. Yeah. So shout out to my boy, Pity. Um, uh, I, I, I was researching before we were trying to get on before and um, had scheduling issues, but I've been trying to get, I was trying to look up different things about you and it was cool because I got to find out more of the background, which is usually how I arc this show. I want to find out like what, you know, there's obviously some sauce to who you are right now, but what made you become the person you are. And so it was cool diving into the history of you as a rapper and different things like that. But I want to bridge that gap for people and just talk about life growing up. Like when, when were you born? What were your influences? What got you into rapping? And, um, we'll steer that to, to the present. Yeah, I actually have, it was a book, actually, a poetry book. It was called um, Shel Silverstein's Where the Sidewalk Ends. I don't know if you ever read it as a kid, but it was like a rhyming poetry book. And Mm -hmm. um, I really liked rhyming. So I started rhyming and writing rhyming poetries when I was like maybe in third grade. And then I remember the moment. I want to say it was Eminem and Dr. Dre forgot about Dre. It came on the radio. I had a tape player at the time. I mean, that's how, damn, I sound old now, but you know, you used to have to record it off the radio if you wanted to keep it. It was kind of fun that way though. Cause then it was like, you know, smash mouth all-star. You had to like, wait, or like thong song by Cisco. I'm like, I had to wait <laughs> to see if it came on to see if I could time it right and record it. But when I heard Eminem and Dr. Dre, I was like, wow, that's like poetry on steroids. You know, uh, I was like, they're, they're rhyming. This is like the next level of what I was already into. So I fell in love with hip hop. I would say early, early, maybe like seventh grade, I was writing raps and they filmed me in my middle school. I made a fungus rap. We had an assignment to do something about fungi and I made a rap in in the tune of Eminem and the principal came in, I remember, and and recorded me. I wish I could find that video. It's a smash hit. Um, But (laughs) yeah, I I always loved it just off the rhyming. Yeah, I would would do a little rap on psilocybin myself, but but that that sounds that sounds awesome. I was born in '82, and so I remember right when you know, like uh, digital underground, different people were out, and it was kind of like stuff was starting to get a little more grimy. And then right when Dre and Snoop came out, I was like, "Oh, this is it! This is it! This is the stuff! This is it!" And and it's cool because I think you're you're born in the early '90s, yeah, Uh, '89. 89. Okay, cool. Yeah. Not too far off, but yeah, like once you got to Dre and Eminem, it was like the game was reaching a peak, you know, where you had just the ultimate talent and the best production of beats and and mixing and like all that coming together. So what a cool influence to, to grab right. you like that. And uh, I think with Eminem, cause there were, you know, as I started go- growing older, there were super lyrical fast rappers before M, but I think he, I mean, there were other people that took it mainstream, but for sure, like people like Big L, Big Pun, they weren't as big, you know, when, when you're like an 11 year old kid, but Eminem hit the mainstream so crazy hard because they like marketed him like a pop star, except he had like a dirty mouth and he was talking crazy and just how fast he flowed. And even today, I think his, uh, his rhyme schemes, you know, I'm so interested, not just in the lyrics, the content, but you know, how the flow goes, the cadence, like yeah, he just put it together so crazy, especially Forgot About Dre. That was like a fast rap song. It just, I liked other songs, but that just kind of blew it out of the water. I'm like, the way, the intricate rhyme schemes, I'm like, that's sick. And, you know, it gets a bad rap sometimes. People don't like the lyrics of, you know, degenerate rap, but 
it really is an art form when it's done uh, properly. You know, the flow, the the rhymes, like the message. So, yeah, I love it. I think about that, you know, with, with where we're at today. Have you read the book, The Fourth Turning? I haven't. It's awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll give a quick breakdown. I've, I've just spoken a little bit about it on previous podcasts, but it's basically every 20 years is a turning. And um, they go in 80-year cycles for any any powerhouse uh, on a nation level has gone through this. They've tracked 12 of them with Rome. I think we're in our, our fourth 80-year cycle right now for the United States. But you have a high for 20 years, an awakening for 20 years, um, an unraveling, and then you have a crisis period. So, and you mm. can, they, they mirror different archetypes to this. They mirror um, the seasons, you know, obviously the, the crisis is the winter time. Then you go back to the spring as the high, the awakening, the summer, unraveling is the fall. Mm. And um, we were born in the unraveling and they show how, I mean, this book was written in the 90s but they show how society matches the period they're in. So it comes through artwork, music, TV. It comes through movies. It comes through all Mm. these things, the influence of that. And that's when grunge rock came out and hip hop really took over. And so it was like, it was really cool to kind of track that when I was reading that book. And that's, you know, when we were born, our archetype is the archetype of the hero. Mm. And so you think about (laughs) things on it. Yeah. it's interesting how uh, predictable people are. Like with uh, Uber Eats, they'll be like, do you want a cheesesteak today? And I do, you know, and I'm wondering, I'm like, do they just have so much data on me that they know, like, <laughs> you know, I- I'm that predictable. Maybe I always get cheesesteaks every four Thursdays or something. I don't really track myself like that. But, you know, it's like, I think with human history too, like you're saying, it seems like these patterns always repeat themselves. I'm, w- I'm always wondering, I'm like, are we really that predictable that, you know, we, we can't break out of this cycle that we're in. It's like, I, I believe it, you know, that, that these do follow cycles. Yeah. It's, it's just odd, but he, I mean, they predicted 2005 would be the start of the crisis, give or take three years. So <laughs> 2008 housing crisis. And you're just like, right. whammo, here we go. We're, we're, we're set until 2028. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, and then the art kind of follows it, right? What you were saying as far as like Mm -hmm. just certain trends, like rebellion, people, you know, doing, trying different things. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, let's, did you, what did you, what did you grow up learning? I mean, you you talk about some of the major things that you're into that you've influenced you. Did you grow up Christian? Have you done psychedelics? Talk about, talk about different things that have had big impacts on you as a person. Yeah, I'll start with, I want to say my parents got divorced when I was like three or four years old. Uh, I have to say my parents are both good people. They did a great job. Um, But, you know, I was a bad kid early on. You know, I think maybe that had to do with it. Like I was, you know, maybe because my my life was not stable. You know, I was moving drama, like my parents were yelling. Like, so I was getting suspended, detentions, kindergarten. I was like the baddest kid on the block. You know what I'm saying? I would I was never a bully, but if kids touched me, I'd knock them out, get suspended. Like, I was just like, don't touch me. I was always moving schools and I didn't take any bullshit. I didn't like people playing games with me. I still don't. But when when people get older, they stop playing games with you for the most part. You know, Uh, when you're younger, though, kids are dumb and young. But uh, that, I think, had an impact because I just never paid attention in school. And I, I always felt rebellious. And I think that played in my advantage because I think a lot of what you're learning. Yes, a lot of it's good, but people just follow what they're told, right? It's almost like this indoctrination thing where it's like, believe everything you say, no matter how great the teacher is or not. And that's why I I go to this uh, college campus around me to eat sometimes just because there's like 20 different places to eat. It's not like I go there. It's just where the food is. And all the kids wear the mask because their teachers are telling them. 
you know, and they're doing it because authority is telling them to do it. And that's, they're told is good. I always rejected that. I think it has something to do with the divorce. And then, um, in high school, I definitely experimented with psychedelics. I'm glad you asked. I don't really talk about it, but acid mushrooms, I think acid definitely, you know, changed my life. Marijuana when I first smoked, just music wise, thinking differently. So I definitely experimented in high school with that as well. Yeah, those are those are all great recipes to be able to think outside the box. You know, they, they, it's not like a surefire success story that that somebody does X, Y, or Z, and then all of a sudden they they think differently about the world. But uh, it can offer a broader viewpoint of of you know what we've been told, what we've been taught to to what is actually real and what is something that's worth our time and investment in. Right. I think when I first took acid, the craziest thought I had is I was sitting at a pizzeria. And I was like, I don't want this. They're like, why wouldn't you want pizza? I was like, it's just cheese and bread, man. You know, I was like, it's a whole marketing scheme. I just felt like it was deceitful. (laughs) And it's funny now, I didn't even know bread or cheese was unhealthy because the food pyramid said it was the healthiest thing in the world. But something about it wasn't sitting right with me when I was on acid. And I'm like, they're over-marketing this crappy product. And it was such a funny thought to have. But like, that's the type of shit you're not thinking when you're 17, unless you're, you know, on one or two tabs of acid. So (laughs) (laughs) that is, that is. That's some serious <laughs> wisdom for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I wonder which point, I mean, obviously you, you went against the great, I mean, it's, it's cool. It parallels much of my life. I, I got into trouble all the time. I got, I, I, it was only when they implemented a zero tolerance policy in high school where I actually stopped fighting kids and stop, uh, you know, I'd stop, well, I'd still get sent to the principal's office for talking shit, but, um, that was, that was a lot of my life as well, even before my parents got divorced at 13. And then after it just, you know, erupted even worse. But, um, it, there was, I can count on one hand, the amount of teachers that I had where I was like, this dude gets it. This dude sees me, this dude really wants to help. And, mm-hmm. you know, I believe what they're teaching and I want to be by them because they, because they give a shit about me one hand. And I went to college too, you know, <laughs> like that's not a long, not, not a long list of teachers by any means. But at which, at which point did you start? I mean, were you always looking with that lens of, of on a societal level? Obviously, I don't even think people really get into politics until they're in their 30s because you just you got other shit going on. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, there's this whole world stage happening that I might look into and, and try to figure out more of it. What, when did you start to broaden that perspective and look at things on a on a world stage and and, and, and see through the cracks there? I'll say, I think it was middle school. This this kind of woke me up to maybe the school system was messed up because I was always creative. You know, I'm still creative, but they don't really reward creativity. They reward obedience, right? You know, creativity is almost downed upon, unless you're also like a really good student, which I was not. Um, but I remember I got an answer right, and, and she said, the answer is D, not C. And I raised my hand. We were like grading our own tests. And I was like, but C is also right. And she admitted it was also right. She goes, yeah, it's right, but this one's more right. Instead of like being smart and being like, oh, I made a mistake. I put two right answers. She basically just said, no, I'm still going to like off your credit anyway. And I, and I was thinking to myself, this lady's stupid. You know what I'm saying? This, is, <laughs> this lady's a dumbass. And I was right. I mean, she probably was a dumbass. You know, like that sounds like a pretty stupid thing to do. So I just, I don't know. I guess maybe it had to do with my early divorce. Maybe I was smart. Uh, but I just was like, something's off and I just won't listen. I want to say something funny. Um, but it was, I want to say like 2000, like high school, maybe 
2007, 2008, two people that I think really changed my mindset. Interestingly enough, it was Joe Rogan. He had this viral audio at early in the internet where he was talking about, you know, smoke coming out of Los Angeles looking like cancer, saying like, you know, what are we doing to this world? Like, if you look at this from a plane, you're like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's so bad. And that made me think twice about certain things. And then like Alex Jones, you know, I started hearing his radio broadcast and he was talking about stuff. So I guess I was always like, I don't know, I was never a follower and I was always gravitating towards rap music that talked about stuff, Jedi mind tricks. They were talking about the Vietnam War, like alternative history that you don't learn about in school. So yeah, I would say high school, I started really getting into like world events and politics and and taking that like rebellious nature and being like, okay, this is what I'm interested in. Not, not like this status quo. Yeah. I think I've, I mean, I've, I've listened to Alex on Rogan's and started diving into a little bit more of his work. I'd always found David Icke's um, conversations very interesting, but you know, Alex has almost like a, a pro wrestler uh, gimmick to him, you know, where <laughs> right, he's like, totally. I'm the Satan. And when we come back for our commercial break, the, uh, the Satan worshiping Luciferian child eating, blah, 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 you know, they're, <laughs> they will not win. You know, you're like, Oh dude, that you had me up until that moment. Um, he could be a little too much. Um, even at the time, I think I stopped listening to him for that reason where he would sell a lot, but just, I felt like he would, you know, he's always hyping it up. He's an amazing salesman and his products are yeah. really good. But, uh, yeah, I, but he, he definitely was questioning things. And I had just stumbled across one or two YouTube videos early on. And I was like, dang, you know, that's that's mind blowing. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the crazy thing is that both Ike and uh, Jones have have had so much corroborated over the last two years where you're like, I don't want these guys to be right. right. But unfortunately, a lot of the shit they've been talking about has been correct. Um you know, there's still things where I'm, I'm plenty of uncertainty. It's not like a wholesale. I adopt everything these guys say. I don't think anybody should with anybody, even myself. Um, but but they have been pretty damn spot on the last couple of years, you know, and, and you can corroborate a lot of what they're saying. I remember one of the first times I heard Alex Jones on Rogan's talking about being on the lawn protesting uh, W. Bush. Right. And, and a lot of the stuff that he was talking about had come up. Obviously, 9-11, you know, no, um, no weapons of mass destruction, uh, Patriot Act still in place, some, some, some things there. And then, you know, you get into Tower 7 and all the, the, the awkwardness of that. And you're like, well, yeah, that's a whole thing. That's a whole thing that hundreds of people have taken a deep dive into. That's not just a Jones thing or, or a David Icke thing. Um, but so much of that has come to fruition. I'm, the first time I read um, The Real Confessions of an Economic Hitman, it started putting in place kind of how that system would work for, right. you know, economic incentives to overthrow uh, a dictator or overthrow a good president in a different country and install a puppet for the United States and, right. and, and really start to rework things the way the world shaped on a, on a massive level. That really was illuminating for me. Where do you kind of draw the line with any of these guys in terms like that? How far does that go? Do you, at what level of the Illuminati story do you subscribe to? I guess like with Alex or David or anything like, you know, big picture stuff, like they're talking about things that people don't think about. And it's always good to listen to all sides and, you know, hear stuff. But I, I would say with me, I'm always trying to be as accurate as I can be. So I am, I try not to say things I don't know or be honest about it. Um, with all the stuff going on, I, I think the more I learn and the more I research, 
there's two elements. It's like one, there's always new stuff popping up, but I do think there are, you know, specific people that have more money, power, and influence than other people. Um, I, I'm 100% sure that powerful people have realized that media manipulation and psychology is one of the most powerful tools to control humanity. If you want power, you need to control the media or you need to at least influence it. Uh, that's why Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump buy advertisements. You know, they don't do it to, to waste money. They know that the more they spend on television, the more likely they will win with, uh, you know, swaying the public. So I think that's happening on a massive, massive scale. And people, uh, most people, not all, maybe some, underestimate how much they're doing that and how crazy the, you know, as Alex would call it, the info war. But, you know, there's like a whole mind game going on. So I think that that's true. I think there are definitely certain people that are, you know, into their bloodline and ethnic group. You know what I'm saying? And I think some of the most ethnocentric people, ethno-supremacist people, they're always projecting, you know, in the world. And also just like, I mean, you see it in politics right now, the politicians and people that are doing the most, they're always pointing the finger. So I think that's been a successful tactic for people throughout the years, play the victim, point the finger, you know, media stuff. So I think it's definitely happening, but, you know, where's the power centralized, et cetera. I think there's a lot of debates and people have different, you know, there's all sorts of secret societies that people will point to, et cetera. But yeah, I think it is definitely happening on a broad scale. And, you know, I guess in a less like upset way, you know, cream rises to the crop. And, you know, if people are not smart enough to figure this out, they're going to be played. And that's where with America, I almost don't feel bad for us. I love America. I want people to wake up. But when I see how many people fall in line with the mask and the vaccine, even though they don't believe in it, I'm just thinking to myself, like, and I know you know this, especially doing combat sports, like everything is earned, you know, nothing is given. And if you're not willing to, you know, make a stand at some point, then why do you expect good results? You know, so I think people really need to step it up. And the people at the top are treating people like they're acting in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's part and parcel how the totalitarian tiptoe works. It, it, uh, I think Ike was on on his last one with Brian Rose. He said, you know, if there's a series of gates, you know, every hundred yards apart from each other. They're going to push through a gate. Is there pushback? No, no pushback. OK, we're going to push through the next gate. Is there pushback? Right. No, no pushback. OK, the next. Oh, oh, there is pushback here. OK, let's hang for a while. Right. Let's let it simmer here. And then when they're sleeping, we'll push to the next gate and see if there's pushback there. Like that, that is how the tiptoe happens. And it, it mm -hmm. literally is looking to see like, how can we get away with this? Can we get away with that? And it's, um, one of the things that, you know, I had, I had Ike on the podcast, uh, a little while back. And, and one of the things he was most thrilled about is that in his 30 years of talking about this stuff, he finally sees a response from humanity, especially in the UK and some of the other places on a world scale where right. people have had enough and they're actually willing to stand up for their freedom. Mm -hmm. um, my buddy, Tim Kennedy, you know, often quotes like the good times uh, equal compl uh, complacent people, complacent people equal hard times, hard times um, create tough people, tough people make good times. Like, so we're just going right. through this, this cycle over and over again. And really, if you're born in the U S or a lot of these other countries that have never seen war, you've been used to one style of living like and it's only improved the the wealth has improved the convenience has improved all of these things have improved and it's really easy to just brush shit to the side like oh that'll never happen here that right. oh, oh no that you know my government would never do that to me you know and it's just kind of exactly. like a 
everything's fine. What are we talking about? You know, why are you going to be so negative? <laughs> Just going to table it that way. Yeah. And I think for the first time it's gone backwards in a lot of ways, especially like 2020, I would consider that a cornerstone. Cause even during like Obama's administration, you know, there's some things like if you were older and had healthcare, you could have been negatively affected. Um, you know, I'm sure taxes, et cetera, certain things like certain riots, but there's nothing like 2020 when they locked everything down and, you know, put the whole world on house arrest. So, I mean, that's like a conspiracy theory in itself that they just did. And it went from that will never happen. That's a conspiracy theory too. No, you're a conspiracy theorist if you're not cool with this. And I'm like, cool with this. I've been talking about it for 10 years and you said it would never happen. And now you're normalizing it. So I think that woke a lot of people up. So maybe like the Ikes are excited in a weird way where it's like they're more popular now than ever because it's too big to ignore. You know, uh, crime is getting worse in certain cities. Technology has hit a point where it started getting better, 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 making your life better, better, better. And now it's kind of enslaving us like a, you know, Black Mirror episode in many ways. Some of it's our own fault, you know, uh, discipline, which I'm sure everyone has problems with. How much time do you use on your phone, et cetera? Some of it is like censorship. So that curve, like you're talking about, it's finally gone back to where technology is starting to you know, be used to control and hurt us instead of like help us and innovate our lives. So I try to always be really grateful because it's like, I still have Uber Eats. I've been able to get my voice out there even amongst all of it. So I'm grateful. But at the same time, you see so many things have been taken away from me. I, I don't even know if I could leave the country right now because I'm not fully vaccinated uh, or, you know, at all. So it's like, I'm kind of a Zero, prisoner right of the <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting real out here for sure. And I think that wakes people up. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it's not like, especially for people that are in the U.S., it's not like Canada is off on the other side of the planet. It's our northern neighbor. Mm. You know, a lot, there's a lot of Canadians, you know, with, with blinders on that are like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, the truckers are out of line. And, you know, whatever the, whatever the, the story is of why things are okay, but there's a lot of people. And I got a lot of friends in Canada and a lot of people in fit for service are Canadian that are like, they see it for what it is. And they mm. see the importance of this time right now. And they see tyranny which they would never expect in a first world country ever. And it's right, right, right this, you know, it, it's unavoidably in our face. And I think that's helping people to, to, to start to let down the story of the idea of the world they thought they were living in and embrace one that's a little bit more in alignment with what actually is happening. They overplayed their hand during the COVID thing. I mean, a lot of people still went with it, but you know, so many things went awry. Like I know people that have always got flu vaccines. They got the COVID vaccine. They feel like they got duped just because like the story was just too inconsistent. You know, they were told they could have all these freedoms back and then they didn't. So I think the amount of people who believe the experts now is lower than ever. Um, but, and the people who do, I think it's equivalent to like, you know, if a slave master put shackles on you, uh, and instead of blaming the slave master, he points out the people like running free and being like, yo, those are, that's why you, you're not allowed to get free. You know, as soon as they put their shackles on, you can leave. And like the people that believe that, uh, I'm not saying this is exactly what Kanye was saying, but when he was talking about, you know, I would have rebelled earlier, they took it out of context and acted like he said slavery was everyone's fault. But what he was trying to say is hundreds of years of that. You know, I think it should have ended sooner and probably people like him would have ended it. And it's the people who complained about what he said are the same ones that are falling for this trap. So it's, you know, they have like Stockholm syndrome where the people that are stealing their freedoms, they think are the heroes. And and they don't even realize that it's the people that are not wearing the masks and the people that are 
not uh, complying are the only reason that they maybe even got their freedom back in the first place. It wasn't following the rules. Uh, you know, I think the shackle, uh, like metaphor is pretty, pretty spot on. That is super spot on. Let's, let's, let's talk about, you know, the current, current stage of events in the world. I've got, uh, I've got a friend whose parents were Ukrainian refugees in the eighties and mm. they moved here. He was born here. First generation American, Alex Rybchinsky. He's been on this podcast. One of my best friends, um, phenomenal dude. And, you know, he's pretty, he's been pretty clued in on all the stuff, you know, we're in text threads, sending each other new info and shit like that. But it amazes me how quickly, um, you know, one thing pops up and it's like a redivert. Here you go. Look at this. And how many people are, even if they were quote unquote COVID aware of some of the fuckery taking place and some of the inconsistencies, um, that it's hook, line and sinker with what's happening you know, on a global scale with Russia and, and Ukraine right now, what are your thoughts on, on all of that? Because I've seen plenty of videos from Tim pool, like people who have been there and it just, it, it, it really looks staged in a way. Yeah. So the first thing that stuck out to me, well, with the average person, like they don't, they just fall head deep into it. I mean, I respect somebody that has family from Ukraine because at least they have a perspective. But in Ukraine, just like in like certain parts of Africa and in America, there's a different social dynamic everywhere. Racial dynamic, there's, you know, there's Russian people in Ukraine, there's more pro-Ukrainian people there. There's all these groups like the Azov Battalion. So the average person doesn't really know that. And I think to be fair about it, you have to understand that, understand what you do and don't know. So I was hesitant at first. I never felt like knee deep into the propaganda like a lot of right wing pages did. Uh, and the reason I think is because a year or two ago, I stumbled on Zelensky's uh, Wikipedia, the president of Ukraine, and I found his story fascinating. I covered it last year and I recovered it this year in a way viral. But, you know, he's an actor producer um, who has a, a production company called Kvartal 95. And it's not just, oh, he's an actor who became president, because that's not a big deal. It's whatever. Um, he did a show for three years before he was president called Servant of the People. He produced it himself. The production company was created by himself. He was the star of the show. I mean, he put the whole thing together, and he played this average teacher, history teacher, who became the president of Ukraine for three years and basically psyop, brainwashed, or entertained people into thinking he was this average everyday person when he's really just an actor and a producer. So he produced this role of him as the president of Ukraine, won the election with like 70 something percent because the whole country loved him off this show. And then his production company created his political party, which is called Servant of the People. So he created uh, uh, his production company, created an actual real life political party. And now he's banning a bunch of opposition parties and media. He's going like full dictator. So, you know, I'm not saying uh, Putin's good, Ukraine's bad. I'm not saying Ukrainians don't have their own story if they live there. But this idea that this guy is just like, you know, I'm, I have to just worship this guy. I mean, recently, Israel was the first country to stand up to him because everyone's like slobbering over him, saying, crying. You know, Israel got pissed at him because he's comparing Ukraine to Hitler's final solution. I mean, the dude is a, a straight up actor. He's just like, we're going through the same thing you went through. And the Israelis are like, no, you're not, dude. You know, they, they, they borderline said he was a Holocaust denier because he's just like rewriting history to make it seem like Ukraine are, are like the Jews or something like in World War II. And they got pissed. So it's like, you know, this dude kind of sucks. Um, I think NATO overplayed their hand. I think there's a really complex history of what's going on there. 
And uh, that's kind of my take. But when you say something like that, they'll be like, what are you, Putin's propaganda puppet? And I'm like, no, I just, you know, I'm, I mean, the, just that actor story in general is fascinating. Like, how, you know, how could you not think a little bit about it? And like you said, with some of the videos, I mean, it, it, it's it, pe- even people that support him are like, is he, is he on a green screen? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I've seen a mainstream reporter say that it looks like he is on a green screen. So I, I got a lot of questions. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I got questions. I mean, a lot of the questions I have are like anything, you know, after the last two years that come that comes anytime there's a uh, a universal onslaught across the board from Fox News to CNN to MSNBC. If it's if it's coming across all three similarly, then it's like, okay, there's a driving point here. You know, and I didn't used to think that way. I mean, I think most people, especially if you grew up in the 80s, you're like. All right, Fox News is right wing, MSNBC is left wing, and, and CNN's down the middle. There's somewhere central. Mm. And um, over the last two years, you know, like countless videos have come up across Instagram. Uh, my brother Mickey Willis put it in pandemic indoctrination, but the the hundreds and hundreds of TV channels that are all owned by the same corporations showing verbatim the same script reads around right. Amazon is doing their best to keep everything coming direct to your door during this time of crisis and, and pandemic that we need them to, you know, like, and, and you can see the script and it's lit, It's even the small stations. It's on a local level, local CBS in California. It's every single one. And they're all reading the same script. And you're like, how, how is that coordinated? Well, it's, it's likely coordinated a little bit easier. If you understand there's only nine companies that own every fucking cable channel, every radio station, every, everything, right. there are nine you know, and, and you think of, do these guys work together? <laughs> it's pretty, right. it's pretty easy to see when you can listen to what's coming through on every single channel. When Trump did the State of the Union, I think it was one of his last State of the Union, you know, Democrats didn't agree on anything he did, except for he starts talking about like regime changes in Venezuela, you know, and everybody gets up, Republicans, Democrats. And, and I even thought it was weird at the time because it's like, I'm not, pro or anti-Venezuela, like, you know, God bless the Venezuelans. But it's like the fact that they had like a Venezuelan political leader at the American State of the Union, that was weird to me. And they did the same thing with Ukraine. You know, they they had Ukrainian flags, Ukrainian leaders at an American State of the Union. Like, does Ukraine do that at their State of the Union? Do they have like George Bush there? It's just weird. You know, like America is such a compromised country. It's bananas. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like Sean Hannity's, you know, Republicans best friends for four years. And then the war comes around. He's slobbering like he was during the Iraq war. You really see cream rises to the crop. A Tucker standing up against it. You know, they hate Joe Rogan because he's, you know, independently thinking and he, you know, will speak out. So you start to see at times like this, that there is some sort of concerted war agenda. And I understand it's complex, but in my opinion, it seems to me like the West kind of overplayed its hand and I'm a little bummed about it because India is still, you know, trading with Russia and they're a big ally. They don't care what we say anymore. China's laughing at us. Russia's laughing at us. Germany is dependent on uh, on oil from Russia, so they can't even do anything like Trump told them about and they didn't want to hear it. So I feel like for the first time in modern history, people don't respect us anymore. People don't trust us. And, uh, you know, this is where it sucks because like, I like America more than Russia and China. I don't want to be there. I don't support them. 
But as a self-aware person, it would be like if you lost three fights in a row or I lost like four basketball games in a row. At a certain point, you got to look at yourself and be like, all right, what am I doing wrong? I can't just blame everyone else. And my analysis is we're even less honest than Russia and China as a state. They're aggressive, they're authoritarian, but they don't really sugarcoat it where we're the type that'll stab you in the back instead of the front. And I think people like Russia and China are looking at each other like, I know you'll stab me in the front. And that makes you somewhat trustworthy where no one trusts our word. We've invaded more countries than anybody. We cry about Uyghur camps, but we do really wicked stuff to our own people. We cry about what Saudi Arabia does, but we're doing wicked things as well. I'm not saying that we can't disagree with certain things we're doing and people can't have an opinion in the free free America. I think they should. But uh, this idea that we're this moral arbiter of the world, I think everyone's starting to call our bluff and they're right. You know, we're not. Uh, we've fallen off and, and we're embarrassing ourselves. So I think even with China, you know, a lot of people say, you know, we got to stop doing business with China. The best way to do that is create USA products. I have my own website for it, USA products only. Like I agree, but at the same time, you know, it, it, if you want to do it for moral reasons, I agree with you. But if you want to cut off China for moral reasons, then you're going to have to cut off Saudi Arabia. Then you're going to have to cut off Russia. Then you're going to have to cut off everyone. And then you're going to starve to death. You know, so you got to be real smart, I think, with your moves. And I do think that America, for the first time, people are starting to, you know, reshift kind of the world and, and call our bluffs. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about that. Where where do you fall in line on, you know, the Ike and... and uh jones conversation of the the international stuff at play like the the um, and it's not even just them at this point but let's say you know with with the agenda of the great reset and klaus schwab the world economic forum how do you see that playing out right now um you know obviously they they put forward we'll, we'll link to this in the show notes for people who missed it but there's a great ad of what they used to call the fourth industrial revolution they now call the great reset and it, and it shows, you know, by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll rent everything and you'll be happy. <laughs> right. Things will be delivered to your door via drone. And they just go through this whole list. You'll spend, <laughs> you'll eat less meat. Meat will be more of a treat, right? Um, right. You'll spend less time in nature, but uh, digital realities will have come a long way and will be as good as the real thing. Like it just goes down, 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 right? And so you kind of right. get to see if there is uh, an influence in the world, and, and there is because you can track... Um, you know, I think Marcone, uh, Prime Minister of France, Justin Trudeau, there's a laundry list of people that have graduated from um, Klaus Schwab's uh, future leaders of, of the world, something like whatever that's called. Right. And um, and you can see like all the they are put into power. And Rogan had um, a podcast. Did you listen to the podcast with uh, Majid Nawaz? Very great. He was very oh. impressive. Yeah. Oh, he was impressive, right? And then they played the the Darth Vader music while yeah. <laughs> while Schwab is is basically right. you know sounding off like a like a uh, James Bond villain of how right. they've influenced and infiltrated every major government in the world. And it's true; these guys aren't just cabinet members; they're fucking running the show. So where do you where do you see you know that influence and ability and the fact that you know the the many heads of Hydra has kind of <laughs> worked its way. In the international right. scene, how do you see that panning out? And what are the best best ways we can do to defend that from coming through? Yeah, so I, I want to start with a few things because I'm going to get down to what, who I think are really beefing right now because I do think there's like three or two groups really fighting hard at the top. But, uh, you know, before the, the World Economic Forum, you know, the UN, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, the United Nations, the World Health Organization. I, I think it's like the WHO. They do. What's the... Uh, yeah, I guess UN created the World Health Organization, but UN was really created by 
uh, Russia when they were communist. China had a hand in it when Mao Zedong was around there. So, I mean, to me, the whole thing was always a communist jump off. You know, it wasn't just like protect Europe. These people are straight communists. So I think that was always destined to turn into communism, which it has. Um, the, the World Economic Forum was a place, I guess, Klaus Schwab created to have world leaders, businesses kind of merge which is also communism in a sense, when you have everybody working in unison. I get that you want to have like also, you know, places people can talk and meet up. Like there's nothing nefarious about that in theory, but I read Klaus Schwab's book, you know, COVID-19, The Great Reset. It's a book. It's not a conspiracy theory. He wrote what he thinks. And the dude is a total communist-minded person. He doesn't believe in competition. He believes in government intervention over competition. He wrote that. I have it highlighted. So I could see he doesn't believe in American values at all. And it's frightening that these people have gotten so much control over different politicians. So with that being said, you know, I think their agenda is absolutely the centralization of power and really having like a global government that supersedes everything. And here's where the, the it gets interesting, because it's like Russia and Ukraine. It's a proxy war. You know, Ukraine, the people are great, no question. But Ukraine is a puppet state for NATO, America, and our allies, you know, so there, I mean, Zelensky's just like running around begging for help. Nobody cares about him that much. You know, they they care enough to send some stuff, but not enough to start a real war. But in general, it's like, this is the real, I think, power dynamic going on. In America, you have the two parties, Republicans and Democrats. I believe they're both, you know, kind of working in, in the same direction, regime change Venezuela. They're in on you know, the World Economic Forum type stuff, even the Republicans, you know, I always say on my channel, you know, most of them, you don't really get high in the Republican Party unless you're a Zionist, which is like, you know, massive uh, worshiper of Israel. And in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with that. If you prioritized America first, the problem is they never do. And on the left wing, you know, they're very communist minded. They don't believe really in anything. It's America last. They're Zionist sometimes. Sometimes they turn on Israel. You know, it's like they don't but in general, the communists in the left wing, in my opinion, and the Zionists in the right wing, they really come together and serve the same foreign policy most of the time, almost completely. And they're beefing with Russia and China right now. You know, China's communist, but they're national communists. They don't they're not world communists. They just believe in China. Russia's kind of the same way, not yeah, authoritarian, I'd say, over communists, but you know, they believe in the Russian state. So you'll see, you know, the only thing that George Soros, Donald Trump, Washington Post, like all these people who seemingly don't agree on anything, right? Left wing, right wing. They all agree that Russia and China are major threats, right? There, you'll see George Soros tweet, China's a huge threat. Russia, and everyone's like, I don't get it. Like, I thought he was, you know, on their side. And it's like, it's not to say that China's good or anything, but this is kind of the global breakdown, I think. I think the global communist slash Zionist slash, you know, that NATO, like all these people working with the West are really beefing with Russia and China. And Russia and China have kind of like merged. Uh, Iran is kind of working with them, other countries. So that's kind of like World War III being shadowed. And it's kind of creepy because I feel like I don't even have like a, you know, a horse in the race. Like, yeah, I guess I want the West to win, but I don't know. It's like, it's getting to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm confused if we're even the good guys in this situation. Because it's like in China, they do stuff, but it's like they're limiting the kids from playing video games. They're trying to make them work out. In Russia, they're much more Christian and have like a better moral base, in my opinion, than here. And then in America, it's going like full blown. It's like be 700 pounds, like, you know, Lil Nas X is sodomizing the devil. Like you can't go outside and play sports, but you could suck down Pfizer pills. I'm like, I don't know that this we're, we're the good guys in this uh, battle, but 
you know, I pray that God wins and, you know, everybody gets a little holy here. But I think that's kind of the power dynamic. The, uh, you know, the global communists who want to control everything are, are beefing with Russia and China because they can't control them in a weird way. That's that's what I think is going on. Yeah. And I think Russia is, I mean, they're both, they are both nationalists. So you can, you can say what you want about that. And, and, and for the most part, and, I, and I, look, I go both ways on this too. I mean, I remember reading conversations with God and, and, and through Neil Donald Walsh, the author of God speaks, you know, and so you take that with a grain of salt, but um, there's brilliant, brilliant stuff in the, in the series of those books. But one of the things that he says, interestingly, in the third one is that uh, a, a one world government is necessary going forward because we are one world, right? We're all one people. And like, if you have a plant medicine experience, like you come to that understanding, there is, it, it blurs the lines of separation and individuation in that you, you, re, there's almost a remembrance that we are one being, we are one mm. truly. And that's a beautiful thing to understand. Um, who's in charge of that is a different understanding, right? And if I look at current governments anywhere on the fucking globe, I do not want to see any of them rise to the position of the ability to control the entire earth. I mean, it just right. seems absurd, you know? So I, I thought that was, that, that stuck, that was a thorn in my side that stuck out in that book. But, um, you know, I, I bring that up because I understand nationalism. I understand, you know, wanting to take care of, of where you're at regionally. And, and if we do decentralize the whole thing, then it truly even becomes more local. You know, it's not just buy local, it's produce local, it's uh, local governance. You know, I, I remember driving and I've, I've told this a couple of times on the podcast, but my first time I was in Kentucky, I saw that they had like little signs in the driveways every now and then one would say, keep such and such county dry, keep such and such county wet. And I was like, oh, I was like, what is that? And they're like, oh, they don't have alcohol here. And I was like, alcohol is illegal in the whole county. <laughs> and my buddy told me that. And I was like, that's fucking lame, you know? And then later as I grew older, I was like, that's, that's brilliant. They decide, <laughs> they decide if they want it or not. Right. And if they, if a bunch of people get together and they say like, fuck that alcohol is bad. We don't want to deal with it. We don't even want it here. They should have right. every right to decide that. Right. And there should be places where they can decide how much they're going to pay in taxes, how much they want to do on this, how much they want to do on that. Like if you if you ultimately decentralize to that point, like where's the congruency is the argument. So obviously there's a balance point there, but um, we do need to take care of the earth. We do need to take care of each other. We do need to have some common ground, like foundational principles that we're all a part of. I don't think we need a central power telling us that. And I don't think we need a centralized digital currency to enforce that. Right. Yeah. I guess on like a spiritual level, I'm kind of a hippie where it's like, you know, I love everybody. I can fit in in different situations, enjoy people's culture. I've never really had an issue on that. And, you know, I love, uh, you know, everybody everywhere, not everybody. I mean, there's annoying people, but you get what I'm saying. I don't, I don't have like spiritually, I feel like my message is for everyone. It's not for a specific group of people, but at the same time, as you grow up, as you start learning things, I'll give you an example. Like I live in Orange County now. I lived in Los Angeles. Uh, there are two different places. I mean, it's cleaner here. It's nicer. It's safer. Um, I mean, things change. But in general, you know, California is always trying to dictate what we have to do. And they want us to be more like L.A. And it's like, I don't want to be like L.A. L.A. kind of sucks, in my opinion, now. And it's going downhill because left-wingers don't know what they're doing. Um, but they always want to control everyone else. So that's my problem where it's like, yeah, I think it's natural whether people like it or not as technology advances in the 50s, you know, you only had a, a phone in your house. Now you have a supercomputer in your hand that you can literally, you know, find a date in like 
I don't know, Zimbabwe or something. It's crazy. So naturally things are going to mix and match, but I think the people in power are are doing really almost like the the worst things morally like they're totally out of touch and i think you know cultures people counties should have a right to do what they want because these people running the show they're not these like moral arbiters like playing god like oh we're gonna make it better everywhere they're really making it worse everywhere so like you said i mean china russia america our allies like i don't see anyone doing it right but i would argue almost like you know I, I would hate to say we're doing it wor- the worst because I think what China and Russia is, is doing is bad and Europe, et cetera. But like, I really do think we've really lost it. Like even with the sports thing, like this is generic, but you know, that was like a joke 10 years ago because it's, even if you're like the least hateful person, you support everybody. It's like biologically, you know, chromosome wise, like it's just, everybody knows like the NBA would just m- maul the WNBA, but now that's stuff we're pushing. So it's like, I don't see I don't see these people being able to <laughs> control the world in the right direction. Like I see them enslaving everybody. So I've become much more of like a, you know, a patriot and somebody who values America, freedom and like, you know, small town stuff more than ever because I see those global, you know, communist minded people are a mess and they're so dishonest and they're they're the type to stab you in the back. And like I said with Russia and China, I don't like them. I like America better, but that's the type of people that are stab you in the front. You know who they are. That's who Trump really was. You know, that's why people like Trump. Like he wasn't perfect, but he's the type I'm going to stab you in the front that the, the backstabber types and the Western like liberalism really needs to shift because these people are a mess. So I, on like a spiritual level, I love everybody on a political level. I'm more libertarian conservative than I've ever been. Cause I'm like, these psychos need to get away from my speech guns, freedom, everything, taxes, <laughs> literally everything. Like, I feel like they're doing everything wrong. Yeah. We, I grew up in the Bay Area in the Silicon Valley and, uh, you know, grew up pretty, pretty liberal. And then coming out here to Texas and, and just seeing the world stage shift, it's, obvi- you know, I've, I've obviously become quite a bit more libertarian and, uh, and, and I'm still, you know, I, I probably still probably lean left on a, your standard list of political issues. If you were to go back through them, um, but, but the push from that is when we are like, I'm never going to fucking say I'm progressive again, ever. Like, there's no point in doing that. There was a meme the other day of a guy on a motorcycle blasting past a bunch of, uh, mountain bikers. And it said, motorcyclist identifies as bicyclist breaks world <laughs> record in cycling. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. like, this, this is what we're doing right now. How was that right. something that becomes a hard conversation point? It's fucking absurd to say that that's something we can't talk about. That's exactly what's happening in the world. And people are trying to make believe and pretend and, and paint with imagination that there are no differences between men and women, that there are no differences in, in, in many of the things that we're trying to say is just a, a choice. Right. I have a, this is up from a video I did yesterday, but it's the dictionary definition of liberal. It's on Google. It's, I think it's from Oxford dictionary. It says willing to respect or accept behavior or opinions different from one's own open to new ideas. You know, that's what the word liberal actually means. Like willing to respect or accept behavior or opinions. The modern day left went full authoritarian. So I would say, you know, the right wing has shifted left and the realist liberals uh, by definition are libertarian or apolitical, like the the modern left has lost that liberalness that made them so appealing when we were younger, you know, the open-mindedness, drugs, whatever, they've kind of lost it. They've gone insane. And uh, 
it's really fake. You know, I've always been into real stuff, real music, real. I didn't like, I never liked fake, you know, who, I mean, who does, you know, what's, who wants fake? Nobody's like, I want a fake wife or, you know, it's like, I was like, I want a real <laughs> thing. I want real food, not fake food. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're fake. And like, even with all the race stuff, like, I don't care anymore because, uh, you know, I guess after years of like, you know, easing in on it, I just don't care what people say or think. Uh, in that regard, but it's like, they're always trying to call everybody racist, this and that. But it's like, dude, if you pulled up at like a black barbecue and started talking, everyone would be like, yo, you're a weirdo. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not authentic. You're creepy. Like, you know, you it doesn't feel right. Like everything they do is just so fake now. They're afraid to do anything funny. They're, say, they're afraid to say anything raw. They're afraid to tell the truth. I mean, they're afraid to not, not only afraid to do it, but trying to limit other people from doing it. Okay. If we have a gender disagreement, I mean, there's science around it, but I think in America, you should be able to say, you know what, now with hormones, you know, people are taking hormones, they're growing tits. They are a woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, you know, you should be allowed to make that statement. But what they're doing is saying, there's no such thing as two genders. And if you say that, that's hate speech and you need to be banned off the internet. Like that's crazy authoritarian shit. It's like, China goes authoritarian and says kids are not allowed to play video games during the week. We want them to work out and, and, and watch science videos. Like that's authoritarianism trying to make them smarter. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's going to work. It might backfire. I don't agree with it. But that's the, the idea of what they're trying to do. It's like, let's make our kids smarter, stronger. So China's a better nation. In America, it's like Satan's running the show. It's like, how can we make people as evil, stupid, fat, degenerate, depressed, you know, upside down. Like if you want to transition in your 26, that's on you. If you want to transition a five-year-old, like that's ins insane. And and they're now, they now have an issue with that. So, it, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that we're the moral, moral arbiters of the world. And uh, yeah, the left has gone from like liberal to like authority. I call them authoritarian psychopaths. Yeah. I remember when Rogan was talking about, you know, the, the shift over in LA where, um, he, he compared the percentage of the population that actually has done um, sex change or whatever you want to call it, at least hormone therapy versus the percentage in the schools that they were seeing. And the percentage in the schools was like five X higher, right? It was five X higher, right? It didn't mirror that of society. And that was like the first like light switch going on. And um, you know, one of the things that they were saying on from, from the teachers down, you know, that if, if a kid had questions about that, they were teaching parents that that was your only option was to say yes without say you would lose the child otherwise. Right. right. And that psych, so if you, if you even questioned about seeing a psychologist, like maybe we should see a psychologist first that could, that could result in CPS showing up at your door. Yeah. Th there was a story recently of this uh, Hispanic woman. I forget what country she was from immigrant, you know, came here, her kid ended up being pushed into transitioning by the school, ended up committing suicide with all these hormone imbalances, depressed, killed themselves. And she feels terrible and she didn't want it to happen, but they, they weren't allowing her to not want it to happen. So it's straight up child abuse and there's nothing anti-gay or anti-LGBT about it. When you're young, if someone told me I was a fireman or a power ranger, you believe it. You don't know anything. I mean, I, I would argue with men, I don't know women, but with men, it takes you till like mid twenties to really figure out who you are, let alone like when you're 14. So, you know, this is just straight up abuse and people need to think about it because, you know, some people go through emo phases. Some people go through sporty phases, drug phases. You're not, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that's who you are. And then once you're an adult, you can figure it out. Um, they're pushing it so hard 
that it's not just kids who would have naturally figured this out or felt this way. It's almost like you're a bad, it's like being white now. You know what I'm saying? They act like you're just default horrible if you don't just like get on your knees and cry. So I feel like they're making straight kids feel that way too, where it's like, you know, it's almost safer to just be like gay or something or transition because it's like, dang, I'm a white man shit or you know like oh man people hate me if i was gay you know maybe i'd maybe i'd get bullied less or something i think there's a huge social and you know like psychological they're just teaching it and pumping it into these kids heads so early yeah rogan brought that up too i think with um douglas murray who uh what's the name of his book the madness of crowds phenomenal phenomenal book but he brought up like if a kid if a kid was called fat if an overweight kid was called fat um, you know, they, they might get in trouble for that. But if you call an, an overweight uh, trans person fat, then that's hate speech, right? So it's almost like a way to, to, to bulletproof yourself against something that's, that's kind of one of the ugly faces of childhood. And, and it, it speaks to your upbringing and my upbringing too. Like I, I didn't, I, I would fight or run, but I never stood around taking shit. Like I would always talk shit back. And sometimes that meant me running a quarter mile away from somebody as fast as I could, or it meant me standing and kicking their ass, but I wasn't going to sit there and put up with it. Most people don't operate that way. And, and if they, if they find there's a relief button I can push that changes everything where I'll never get picked on again, that becomes pretty alluring. Yeah. I think also too, like hate speech, obviously like that's just a term to take away free speech. What does that mean? You could hate the truth. You could hate science. You know, if you hate science, is science hate speech now. So you never want to give the people the power of that, but also hate crime. I don't know if this is a controversial opinion because I don't see much people saying this, but I don't think there should be a such thing as a hate crime. A crime is a crime. If you, you know, punch a transgender in the face or like an Asian guy in the face, uh, like for no reason, you know, that's assault. And I think it should be across the board. To me, that's true equality and justice. What a hate crime means is you could burn an American flag in this country, uh, but if you burn an LGBT flag, you're you know you could have a Trump dump sentence of like eight years. I'm not saying you should burn other other people's property, but you know the whole idea of hate speech and hate crime is really injustice. And it's uh, like you said, I mean, it's like you, you're not. It's it's a shield for some of the world's most wicked people. Uh, to hide behind, you know, hide their political social agenda. And that's what they're doing. You know, they're using groups, racial groups, LGBT groups, because that's the perfect shield. And uh, I think a lot of people are waking up to that. Yeah, they talked a bit about um, how environmentalism would be one of the big pushes, you know, one of the big pushes to drive people towards smart grid cities and, uh, you know, prevent them from being out in the country and messing up the earth. (laughs) And uh, as if like somebody who's got 100 acres is fucking up the earth. Uh, as opposed to some of these bigger corporations, but um, you know this 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 drive away from that with with something that is something that truly that could be something that brings us all together. It is something where we say like, hey, on a world stage, uh, we shouldn't be dumping chemicals on the soil. It's fucking up our food supply. It's making us unhealthy, and it's likely the cause of the rapid rise in deterioration in human health. Yeah, that can that you can track that. Um, but, you know, jumping on climate change bandwagon and, and saying like humans are bad, we are the virus and, and that we should be all <laughs> inside all day long with our Oculus headset on, you know, doing Zoom calls that way, as opposed to actually getting out into nature and, and being healthy and one with our environment. Right. Um, I just see that as a complete co-opt of something that, that has partial truth to it and is now a part of the agenda as well. 
nailed it. Yeah, I think, and this is hard for people to grasp because it's like whether it's like BLM or stuff, it doesn't mean that there isn't certain things racially and environmentally that's going on. I'm the biggest hippie. I love the ocean. I'm there all the time. I love the sun. I love nature. You know, I'm such a hippie. Clean the ocean, clean the water, all of that. But here's what people don't realize on the left. Environmentalism has been completely hijacked, completely hijacked to the point where people don't even think about cleaning the water, cleaning the soil, cleaning the ocean. These are afterthoughts because everyone just says climate change, climate change, like COVID, and they don't have to explain themselves. And they've been told they don't have to debate it right? It's over. It's settled science. This is what it is. But then there's no intelligent discussion. So first of all, it has nothing to do with a lot of root level stuff. The food industry in America is a disaster. Canola oil, high fructose corn syrup, the pharmacy industry is corrupt. They have pro-environmentalist climate change activists supporting Monsanto and, and Bayer. And you know what I'm saying? Like It makes absolutely no sense. Covering up some of the worst perpetrators of environmental destruction. They don't care about reality and science. Like, for example, let's say I agree completely, like solar-powered energy would be the best, right? If we could get it properly, like everything powered by the sun, no oil, no pollution, no smoke, no anything. But how do, you know, Tesla's work? And I like Elon Musk. It's like, are there lithium mines that they have to mine? Well, you have to put that into the equation, right? Uh, do How do they charge? What powers the charging stations, right? You have to put that into consideration. Do you, you know, is nuclear as bad as you say? If not, then don't get rid of it. You know, we should, we need it. Do you have a, a plan to get to that next thing? If you're trying to get carbon out of the air, which you're not even allowed to debate about, but they claim that they're trying to do that and it's going to change the climate, uh, can you stop China? If you can't, then your equation doesn't matter. You're, you can't stop India. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's turned into this anti-America left wing like brainwashing tactic where they just hate on America. And I'm like, no, I agree. OK, so what are we going to do about China? Oh, well, we don't we're not even talk about China. And if we did talk about it, we still can't do anything about it. Then your whole equation fails. So, you know, uh, it, it's become this sort of thing that's like a firewall. It's like this is environmentalism. Brainwash all the kids with it. Now the kids know nothing about root level health. They know nothing about pollution. They know nothing about 99% of environmentalism. And they are dead set on the one thing that when it's all said and done, they're not even going to be able to accomplish because they're not doing anything. You know, like you need to think about all this stuff. It's not just like I say Green New Deal and that works. Where's the money going to go? Are you going to build it fast enough? Is it what you think it is? Is it really sustainable? Because you still have solar panels. And so, you know, it's, it's, they don't think about any of this stuff that I just said. And it's, you know, you talk to the average climate change activist, they look at you like you got 15 heads. Like, I don't, I just wear a shirt. I don't really think. <laughs> yeah, I think having, having the uh, performance background and, and everything, you know, from, from the fight game, just to be better in sport really helped me to see through the lens of, of the fuckery that was going on through big agriculture and a lot of the, just the hypocrisy, you know, like you speak about um, Monsanto and a lot of these, these things, which is bought by Bayer, you know, it's like, they don't, right. they didn't go under, they just folded into a large company that tested on people in Nazi Germany and yeah, makes right. your aspirin. Like that, that that's right. th those guys are around. Um, but it, I think about this stuff, industrial agriculture, and, you know, there were videos from the CDC, and I forget which one I was, it was one of the many documentaries I've, I've consumed rabbit holing the last two years, but there was a, a, like a public health video from the CDC of them spraying DDT from a prop, crop duster over, over a field while people are eating, having a picnic outside. And then some guy walks by with one of these heavy metal cans, just spraying it out into their faces while they're eating sandwiches and smiling. Like DDT, it's safe enough for everyone, you know, like that kind of deal. And it's like, oh, you fast forward a little bit. 
that wasn't safe for anybody. That fucked up uh, a whole generation. That was a big, big, big deal. And we have probably in the ballpark of millions of chemicals being developed annually, at least, you know, every other year that are introduced and they're never, they're never pulled until there's an after the fact moment, right? There's never, they're never pulled until there's an, oh, Hey, this actually, this actually hurt a lot of people and uh, we're going to have to pay a lot of money. Okay. Now we have to get rid of that thing. But right. you think about things like that. And it's like, I, I, we've seen this over and over and over again. And people don't want to admit that people don't want to admit like there were doctors, actors, of course, but actors in white lab coats pretending to be doctors saying like, even your doctor recommends camel, you know, right. and they're smoking cigarettes. Like, this is cool. This is safe. That this shit has gone on and gone on and gone on. And for some reason we've got like a, a long-term memory issue with that. Like we can't, we can't look back far enough and then connect those dots going forward to see like, maybe we're being directed in an area we shouldn't be going. Right. And it's never stopped. It's not, it's like the history of it is clear and it's, it's so recent that it just keeps happening. Even during the pandemic, Johnson and Johnson settled out a multi-billion dollar opioid lawsuit. Their sunscreens are getting taken off the market. Like it's never ended. And I think what's going on is, you know, these pharmaceutical companies are just lobbying all of Washington. They're lobbying all media. They're lobbying and paying off celebrities. They're paying off special interest groups to pay off celebrities. And people, the average person just doesn't realize how nefarious it is. It's it's always constantly happening. And I believe like everything they've ever done in the food industry, in the medical industry, they've killed millions of people. It's confirmed. They made mistakes, whatever. You know, millions of people have gotten heart disease, whatever. They've never had to pay. Maybe I'm wrong, but they're always paying fines that are lower than what they made. And, you know, nobody's going to jail. So it's almost like they don't really care because business wise, you make 20 billion, you pay a 3 billion fine or whatever. You just netted 17 billion. And uh, that's what used to make me lean left because and, and that's why it's so crazy that the left is like totally delusional and they're like sucking off big pharma. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Because when I was young, you know, it's always the right wing. It's like capitalism, capitalism. I get why competition and capitalism is a good idea. But what I believe we need is moral capitalism. And I don't know how to enforce that. I mean, people need to have a soul. You shouldn't want to hurt 20 million people to make $20 million. You should want to help people and make it. And if it hurts people, you got to switch your product. But that's why I always disliked America. Because I was like, wow, we're the greatest country in the world, but we got the crappiest food. Nobody realizes it. We're just doing anything for a dollar. And it's super wrong. That's why it's so strange to see like conservatives realizing that now because they're so pro-capitalism that they always ignored that, in my opinion. And it's the left that has like, you know, systemically they're, they're backing up all of these agendas that are not doing anything that they think. It's so bizarre. And uh, yeah, I think I think the reason people don't know this is because there's billions of dollars going into brainwashing people to not realize it. And sadly, during the CARES Act, when Trump signed that during 2020, I mean, how much money do you think they gave to big pharma and big government to use? You know, I mean, they signed off trillions of dollars. So how much of that went to brainwashing people into thinking that this stuff's okay? It's way worse than people think. It's not random. It's not, they just made a mistake. There's a concerted effort to to stop people from like thinking like we're thinking right now. There's a, it's a, it reminds me of a book that I'm, I'm, I'm halfway through. It's one of my favorites that I've read in the last few years. It's called The End to Upside Down Liberty by Mark Gober. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. It's only like seven and a half hours on Audible, but it's a brilliant, brilliant book. And it, it proposes many of the things that we're talking about. And it starts with, you know, it starts with psychology. 
it starts with CIA brainwashing techniques and then the science, there is real science of, of a lot of these studies that showed the way human thinking works and how to manipulate that thinking. And then it, it continues to dive further and, and really just breaks down like, what if our government was not who we thought it was? What if government as a whole was not what we thought it was? And what if it wasn't as necessary as we, we give them the power to believe and think so? Mm. And it's just an excellent, excellent viewpoint. He's, he's a libertarian and he really just breaks down much of the thought process, much of it's a very recent book. So it, it breaks down the last couple of years and, and, and how things unfolded for us. You know, that there was a, a, a great meme that said two weeks to flatten the curve went to take the jab or you lose your job went to, if you protest us, we'll freeze your bank accounts and we're still yeah. the conspiracy theorists. Right. And I was like, Oh God, right. that, that, that sums up two and a half years. Pretty, pretty well. That really does. But um, yeah, I encourage people to check that book out and I want to hear your comments on that, but I want to, I also, I know we've got uh, just a little bit of time left and I'd love to get your opinion on what is the way forward for humanity? What are the ways that you connect to your soul? What are the ways that you stay bright and light and, and full of faith in, in knowing that, you know, maybe this is just a, just one big cosmic giggle and that, um, you know, it is for the evolution of human consciousness in some weird fucked up way. Yeah. Well, before I answer that, when you were talking, when saying like, you know, they're, they're, see, I was brainwashing people and that there's also foreign countries doing it. I was thinking in my head, I was like, what I really do, like I say, I do news analysis. I feel like I'm an unraveler where it's like, everybody's got an agenda. Everybody's selling something. Everybody's like, you know, there's like 20 different propagandas going on at once and people are, their brains are scrambled. So I'm like, I'm always trying to unravel it. And I'm like, that's what, you know, and like calm it down and be like, all right, what's going on here? I'm not going to push some sort of crazy agenda, but try to like see through the cracks on like, what can we do or what's the way forward? I know for myself, like I, my life was changed when I stopped being so, you know, I would say less confident. I had more envy, jealousy, anger, hatred, stuff like that. I was never super hateful, but that was holding me back when I was younger. And once I realized like what I was grateful for, my whole life changed. I used to always look at other rappers and say like, okay, you know, they had a rich father. They did this, that they suck. And when my life started changing, when I was like, oh, but I have a cell phone, you know, I have a day I got today. I got this cell phone. Let's see what I could do with it. Gratefulness, appreciation that definitely changed my life. And I think it's enabled me to be better at everything like marketing instead of being like, yo, this rapper sucks being like, yo, this rapper's not as good as Kendrick Lamar. That's clear. But what is he doing right? He must be doing something right if he's so big. Like, what is it? The sound, the, the videos, he's got a good team. So that's definitely changed my life. And I think the only way to be at true peace is like with yourself. Nobody can really do it for you. You kind of control your own mindset. You know, you could be 300 pounds or, you know, jacked. I mean, you know, I could get stronger. I could go to let my body go to shit. It's really up to me at the end of the day. I mean, there's going to be backups and stuff, but I think that's what, if enough people got right internally, everything would change. And I think uh, even amongst the craziest times, if you get right internally, you know, you're grateful, appreciative, you focus on yourself, you try to block the anger and hate out of yourself uh, and, and be more present. These things definitely changed my life. And I think if, if people started doing that more, one, the world would be a better place and we could start to really connect and figure things out. And two, uh, you know, even if things get worse or things get crazy, you know, you'll be able to enjoy your life. And I know for me, um, being myself, being the best version of myself and uh, being, like I said, grateful, appreciative, et cetera, 
it's kind of like filtered my life. People that are not meant to be in it have gravitated away and very cool people that I would have never met have gravitated towards it. So I think, uh, you know, in a weird way, this whole pandemic, although it was crazy and liberty wise, I'm bummed about what's going on. I would say I got blessed extraordinarily by just going against the grain, being true to myself and, you know, working hard. So I think if you work hard, you're grateful, appreciative, and, you know, focus on what you can do instead of what you can't do, that we got a a nice life ahead of us. Absolutely, brother. That's beautiful. Well, where can people follow you? I mean, your your, your Instagram at Dream Rare. How do you spell that out? Yeah, Dream Rare, D-R-E-A-M-R-A-R-E. So I would say the easiest thing, it's Dream Rare on Instagram. All my links are at dreamrarelinks.com. So if you go to dreamrarelinks, D-R-E-A-M-R-A-R-E-L-I-N-K-S, dreamrarelinks.com. I got everything. Facebook, YouTube, Gab, BitChute, Rumble, Alternative, TikTok, Patreon. I got a private podcast I do with my friend, Dream Rare Podcast. But yeah, dreamrarelinks.com, you can find it all. Phenomenal, brother. It's been excellent having you on and I hope to do it again. Yeah, that was a blast. Thanks. I'm I'm glad you had some unique questions too. It was fun. (laughs) You got it, brother. Take care. Thanks.